This is Mission.org. You have to be a driver of change. And for me, it's sort of pairing this with you have to be willing to listen and learn. But at the same time, then you have to stand behind the strength of your own ideas and say, great, I now understand what you're looking to achieve. Let me tell you how we can go about doing this differently than we have always done before. And that's sort of this change driver mentality that I bring to work every single day. How can a new CMO inspire innovation at a company that's more than two centuries old? Welcome to Marketing Trends. I'm your host, Jeremy Bergeron. Today, we're pleased to welcome Siddharth Taparia, the Global Chief Marketing Officer for the long-standing real estate services company, JLL. Siddharth, whose previous marketing experience spans over 10 years at SAP, shares how he earned the confidence of his fellow JLL executives when he joined the company last year, and how that trust has enabled him to implement fresh ideas. Now let's get into it. Your content is at the heart of what you do. It connects your company to others, teaches them, guides them, and inspires them. But creating, managing, and editing content at scale is often very chaotic and difficult. Empower your content teams with Brightspot Content Management System, made specifically for marketers and corporate communications leaders. No more waiting for a developer to have to piece things together. Put the power to create and deliver powerful yet complex digital experiences into the hands of your marketers with a comprehensive suite of ready-to-use tools and functionality. Bring a bright spot to your tech stack, your customers, your team, with the Brightspot content management system. Visit brightspot.com forward slash marketing trends to learn more. So for our audience, if you'd be so kind, uh, Sadar, just describe JLL and your role as global marketing officer there. Yeah, I mean, JLL is one of the largest commercial real estate services company in the world, uh, about 19 billion in uh, gap revenue, about 9 billion in what we call a sphere revenue, um, presence in about 80 countries around the world, uh, over 100,000 employees at this point. Um, we play in almost every segment of the real estate services industry, um, whether you're looking to lease a space, whether you're an owner who wants their building leased out, you're looking to invest in real estate and buy or sell um, commercial real estate properties, or you're looking, you're a company looking to have your properties uh, be managed by uh, outsourcing the management of them, or uh, if you're looking to bring in more technology, um, GLL does all of those things for you. Uh, I joined as a chief marketing officer in October of uh, 2021, and um GLL had never had a real CMO before, so it was a fascinating opportunity for me personally because uh, this was a Fortune 200 company trying to build marketing at scale but didn't really have any experience of having a global 
corporate marketing function. And so not only an opportunity to build the discipline, build the build the modern marketing organization, but just to show the business how it can be done and how it should be done. So very excited to be here and very exciting opportunity at JLL. That's amazing. I mean, I looked at your, you know, your background. It looks like you spent, was it over a decade at SAP? Is that right? Yeah. I mean, SAP was home for me for uh, over 13 years. So I uh, spent a, a great deal of time there. That's amazing. I mean, I think that, you know, the how that experience has shaped your perspective as a marketing leader going into such a massive opportunity like JLL. I'm just curious, just if you reflect on your time at SAP, I know there was a lot that happened over the course of your, you know, over a decade there, but what are some of the things you cultivated as, you know, an individual contributor to a leader, things that you're taking with you to this experience? Yeah, I mean, look, one of the first things I'll say is whether it's the technology industry, whether it's the commercial real estate industry, there is the saying that um, the pace of change that we have now um, is probably the fastest that it has ever been, but it is only going to get faster uh, in the future. And I think that is an experience that I saw was true at SAP and it stands true at JLL as well. Two very different industries, but significant pace of change. At SAP, the pace of change was from moving from selling software that you sold once on-premise software to selling in the cloud and building products and services for um, software as a service and cloud-based delivery to customers. And at JLL, it's all about the role that big factors like technology and sustainability are now starting to play in how companies make their decisions about commercial real estate. So very different, but very common sort of macro environments in terms of the change that they represent. And within marketing, you're all about adopting and constantly shifting and changing as the market moves, as the competition moves. And companies that are successful actually have an ability to stay in touch with their customers as those shifts in the market take place. And, and, you know, in my journey at SAP, that was kind of always the guiding light of how do you continue to keep the customer front and center and stay relevant to what they care about. It is very easy to get lost in your own thought bubble in, uh, you know, if you've been talking about sustainability for 10 years, that doesn't mean your customer has been talking about sustainability for 10 years. And so how do you always normalize and stay true to what the customer is looking for? That probably has been sort of the biggest takeaway for me in terms of how you make marketing relevant and modern and um, really useful for the business. Wow, solid. Now let's kind of rewind the clock a little bit to you evaluating this opportunity as global CMO at JLL. You know, massive company, massive reach, as you just touched on, services that include investment management, asset management, sales and leasing, property management, project management, development. I mean, a big like span of services, huge, huge reach, huge customer base. Oh, and by the way, the world's changing quite a bit, you know, as you as you jump into this role. What are you assessing at that time as you're kind of on the outside looking in? What are you organizing in your mind as a marketing leader coming into an organization with such reach and scale like JLL? Yeah, there were a couple of things that kind of went through my mind. First one was, what is this company all about and what is this industry all about? I mean, I'd grown up in the technology industry. I had a degree in information technology and a master's in information um, sciences. And so I just had never spent time outside of the technology industry. And when I looked at real estate, I said, is this just a dusty old industry or is this some, Is there something happening? And the answer was, oh, this is an industry that's going to going through a dramatic shift 
not just because of the digital transformation that's been accelerated by the pandemic, but also because technology was starting to play a much bigger role in the world of commercial real estate, like it had never done before. And people were starting to get up and say, oh, a big portion of my carbon footprint in the world comes from what's called the built environment, which is uh, my buildings, my properties, my assets, my offices, my warehouses, my data centers. I need to sort of deliver on my commitment. Every company at this point has a commitment to be uh, net neutral or, or decarbon neutral by 2030, 2040, whatever the case might be. This is the first and foremost battleground of how companies are going to go about doing that in addition to looking at their supply chains and so forth. So is the industry changing? Yes. Is it relevant? And you look at sustainability and the answer is resounding yes. And then, of course, you know, I looked at the company and I said, is this a culture and an environment that I can fit in? And the answer was, it's a very collaborative culture. It's a very global company. It's a very geographically diverse place to work. Um, and so the answer was, again, yes. And then I looked at the opportunity itself. I said, can I actually come in and have an impact? And I spoke to the CEO and I spoke to his entire leadership team. And the answer was a very, very strong yes, that people were waiting. They were hungry. They were ready to partner with marketing and drive an impact. And so that was kind of the thought process of going from industry to company to culture and then actual opportunity itself and the impact that it can drive. Mm, that's great. I mean, I know, you know, on paper, if you just look at the size and scale of JLL, it's easy to kind of be like, okay, well, they're just a big corporation and they're like all the rest. However, you take a little bit closer look and you see some of these sustainability programs and the initiatives around DE&I. You know, I saw the stat around 36% of the top senior management levels are female at JLL with a target to achieve 40% in just the next few years. So you have a place that's huge in size and scale, yet also like actually cares quite a bit about the culture and cares quite a bit about taking some of these stats and making them close to home. Yeah, I mean, look, commercial real estate, unlike or not unlike many other industries, continues to um, develop uh, industry-wide, um, bring in more and more diverse uh, talent into uh, this industry, and in particular to GLL. Um, when people get out of college, oftentimes they just simply don't have an understanding of a career in commercial real estate. Just, you know, people go, I don't, I'm going to go work either in Silicon Valley or on Wall Street or uh, work on a plane for a management consulting firm. Um, and so part of what we're trying to do is not just build the diversity, but also expose more and more people that are coming out of college and universities to the possibility of careers in commercial real estate. And that very much remains a work in progress for us. But that's really going to be the lever that helps us drive more diversity in this industry. And I'm a big champion of, of driving more DNI uh, within our company and within our industry. And I, my belief is that's how you do it, which is more education and more awareness of the possibilities that are there in this industry. Mm. In the vein of kind of collaboration and communication, I know it's a super important part of your management philosophy. Of course, entering into this role, again, big company, a lot of team members, a lot of employees and initiatives. How did you and how are you fostering this spirit of collaboration with your team, especially in the world that we're living in now? Yeah, I mean, look, I think, you know, I started this role while we were still in the pandemic. I mean, pretty much like anybody who started anything new in the last couple of years, it's it's kind of been uh, under this this shadow of, of starting during a pandemic and not having the ability to 
do the type of things that you would normally do when you start a role like this. Um, we're very big on collaboration, on partnership, on, on communication. Um, one of the things that we do is we have already in the short period of time that I've been here, brought our teams together, even though we knew there were risks involved, together in person two times. Um, that's an investment that we have made in bringing a core group of leaders together to make sure people know each other. Because remember, not only am I new here, the entire leadership is new as well because a marketing function did not exist at JLL eight months ago, seven months ago. And so we've brought them together. We also use channels, um, all the technology tools that are available to us from Slack to Teams to um, WebEx and Zoom, everything else in between to make sure every conversation that we have is ideally a video call. We are constantly communicating using things like instant messaging and text messaging and so forth so that there is no sort of gap in information and information flows smoothly. And then we bring our broad team together. Marketing at GLL is almost 800 people that are spread across 25 different countries. And we have four generations represented in, in marketing. And so we have to be mindful that we need to communicate to everyone, but everyone consumes information differently. And so sometimes I'll send an email. Sometimes I'll record a video. Sometimes we will jump and be on a town hall that's uh, more produced. Sometimes we will do a coffee corner with just a group of eight or 10 people. It's like you need to have different horses for different courses. And that's what we believe in. And we've been communicating and communication is leadership. And that's part of what we do. And every single day uh, we think about how can we get the message better? How can we get the story out better? Not just externally, but also internally. How do we make sure my own team understands the strategy and they understand how we're going about that strategy and, and what it means for them and what they need to do differently. Wow. I want to circle up to the something you mentioned before a couple times now and how the marketing function really did not exist prior to you joining, which is, yep. again, I, I think of this massive organization and like, how could there have been no marketing? What kind of challenges and opportunities did that present now coming into, again, big size and scale, big scope, but there not being a lot of infrastructure and support on the marketing side. What did that, any surprises there for you? Or did you know, okay, I got to, I got to bring the full suite of tools and hiring capabilities to build this out. What was that like? Yeah, well, when I say marketing function didn't exist, marketing teams existed, but they were really fragmented and spread around the world. And so the company said, we need to hire a new CMO and we need to consolidate all marketing under a single leader so that marketing and communications under a single leader so that we don't have any sort of gap in strategy to execution, what we need to do and what we stand for as a company, as a brand. That has obviously presented some very significant opportunities because we have now established a single vision, a single sort of um, North Star in terms of what we want to achieve, a single set of priorities, how we measure success, our KPIs, bunch of things. But then also presents challenges because it's a process of assimilation. It's a process of sort of building a new culture, building a new identity and ensuring that people are then able to take pride in the culture that you're building and they're, they're able to not just embrace it, but live that culture. And so that's a work in progress. We're still working on it. I, I wish I could stand here and say it's mission accomplished. We've already done it, but that's a work in progress of how do you build a new entity, a new team, and of course, you know, a big piece of it is we also are building this function in one of the tightest labor markets the world has ever seen. And so we are in the war for talent every single day, 
trying to hire the best of the best to come work for JLL. And we've been very successful, but it is again a slow process because you're trying to be very selective in the talent that you bring in. Mm. That's so interesting. I mean, to think about, yeah, because the timing is really important, the velocity and the speed that the world is changing, the industry is changing. So it puts a lot of yeah interesting things for you to think about and consider in terms of priorities and initiatives. Um, if you reflect just on the past you know few quarters there, what's been like maybe the toughest decision or the toughest challenge you've faced? And then also what's been kind of your favorite win or your favorite, yeah, a favorite win? Well, I mean, you know, we've had lots of tough conversations and tough decisions uh, we've had to make. Whenever you're building a new team that that just comes with the territory. Um, some of our changes have also been just cultural changes because what happens is when you have a function that doesn't have a clear identity and purpose, and that was kind of the case here, oftentimes the function of marketing can really be much more of a sales support function, much more of a we'll stand here in the background and we'll support what the business needs to do. We're kind of shifting that mindset and saying, we need marketing to deliver measurable business value and we need marketing to be that tip of the spear that drives growth in the business. It's literally this shift from you're critical, but you're a support function to you are a growth driver for the business. And that's a journey, but that's also a journey that comes with some challenges because you're saying what you're not going to do anymore and what you're going to focus on and do a lot more of. So that's been interesting. Um, I mean, we've had some incredible wins along the way as well. We are in the process of just refreshing our brand, which, you know, your listeners will be able to see in, in a few weeks time. We are in the process of showing up very differently. We were at the ICSC conference in Las Vegas uh, two weeks back. And um, we, JLL had the 135,000 square feet billboard, which only Vegas can provide. Um, at the side of the the new Resort World Hotel, the entire building has been converted into a billboard with JLL um, on it. And our customers, our employees, no one had ever seen anything like this. This is not something that that you commonly do in this industry, but we've been bold, we've been aggressive, and we're going to continue to do that. And those wins uh, are always sweet to to enjoy and and celebrate with your team. Mm. You know, the, the the CMO role, as you know, it, it is for me and my perspective, especially in interviewing many, many CMOs and, and global CMOs like yourself, it seems like it is truly like one of the most unique roles in the ELT is that role of mm-hmm. CMO. And, you know, it, it's you represent the culture of the company and the brand and have certainly sales and marketing alignment. But these days to be a, a really good modern marketing leader I see where your background engineering comes to play because to me, the right brain, left brain balance, the dance between those two, to me has to be prominent for a modern day CMO. So I know that about you. Um, But what was it like building trust with the other executives, reaching across the aisle, again, coming into an established business that is not a small business at all, coming in and bringing, hey, fresh eyes to the brand, to the story, what is it like to kind of build trust and rapport with other executives, you know, on the team there? Again, global, not just local, but everyone's fragmented. You're kind of the new person coming in. What was it like? And what are some of the things you did to align early days? Because to me, you had to align really tightly. You had to get that part right. Yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll give you two that, that have been really crucial for me. 
The first one is when you come into a business that's phenomenally successful. GLL as a company, I don't know if you know this part, has existed for 250 years. So the original company was founded in, in UK two and a half centuries ago. So when you walk into a successful business like that, you have to be humble. And um, humbleness means you have to be willing to listen. You have to be willing to learn. You have to be willing to say, I don't know. And I'm here to understand. I'm here to learn. I mean, this was the case with me. I might have been an expert in marketing. I might even have been an expert in the technology industry, particularly in enterprise technology throughout my career. But none of those things applied here because we're talking about a new industry and we're talking about a completely different challenge that, that you're looking to solve. And so humbleness goes a long way in winning the trust, in um, sitting down and being able to listen. I mean, I spent my first 100 days just with a lot of my stakeholders, as well as the team, just meeting them and saying, I'm here to learn. I'm here to ask questions. I don't think I'll add much value to this conversation today, but I will come back and I will add a lot of value to you. But I'm just trying to understand what makes you successful? And people will tell you what, what success looks like for them because oftentimes people ask the wrong question and they say, what does success for marketing mean? Well, that's not the right question to ask in my view. You need to ask your business stakeholders what is success for them and then you need to be able to figure out how you can play a role in making them successful. That's what a true partnership is all about. So humbleness, ability to listen, willingness to listen and learn, I think is very important. The second thing I'll say is you have to be a driver of change. And for me, it's sort of pairing this with you have to be willing to listen and learn, but at the same time, then you have to stand behind the strength of your own ideas and say, great, I now understand what you're looking to achieve. Let me tell you how we can go about doing this differently than we have always done before. And that's sort of this change driver mentality that I bring to work every single day, which is to say, can we challenge the status quo? Can we bring, build something new? Can we actually figure out new ways of doing things? And then there is this sort of genuine excitement that you experience from, from people that have done things for, you know, in many cases, their entire lifetime that are seeing something new being done right in front of their eyes and they rally behind you. And that's, that's just amazing feeling to have. And so for me, it's really just about humbleness and willing to, willingness to listen combined with sort of just being a driver of change and every single day challenging the status quo. That's great. I love that. Um, can you give an example, Siddharth, of, you don't have to name names, so maybe an example of maybe how you, you met with an executive and asked them that question, hey, what makes you successful? Can you give us a story there of something that you heard and said, oh, okay, great. I can now go back and bring this thing to make you successful? Any more detail there? Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll give you one, which is okay. um, we are in the process of uh, introducing a lot of new offerings for our customers, particularly coming out of the pandemic. And um, one of the things we're working on is our offering called Flex by JLL, which is for, um, this is the evolution of what used to be the co-working space, which never really took off. But this is sort of the next generation look at it and, and saying, if you are a company that is not very large, how do you actually get space that's flexible, that allows you to grow, that allows you to shrink, that allows you to have a footprint, and you should be treated no differently than a, a company that's renting three or four floors in a premier building in New York City? How can you sort of compete with everyone else, but, but still compete with them in a way that's 
unique to your own size and your own requirements. And we understood from the business what they needed to do, which is they were working with investors who own these buildings and they needed to launch a completely new business model for um, owners of these properties, which is what we do as GLL. And he said, okay, that's what you're looking to do. Let us now go away and develop a brand, develop an offering, develop a way of how we're going to generate demand for this. And let us do it in this environment, in this partnership with you that will drive success for the business. So a brand new business that we're now combining the best of sort of the business acumen that we've always had and the best of the marketing acumen to be able to go to smaller companies that are hard to reach through some of our traditional um, channels and bring the best of the best to marketing. But that could have never happened if I had not spent the time and understood that business model and understood the mechanics of what we were trying to achieve and how we would make money and the role that marketing could play, what is the gap that existed, that could have never happened without it. That's awesome. Did, did that did that pivot or that idea come up in during the pandemic or was that something that the, the Flex program, was that something before that? Well, I mean, we had it in, in some other forms before that, but it has really taken off during the pandemic okay. as more and more people return to work, but also as more and more owners of buildings look at their properties and say, I don't think my uh, building is is suited to the current requirements of leasing out, you know, entire floors at a time. I need to be able to provide different offerings to different customers in the future. And and it's really a win-win partnership. Wow. I think that's a brilliant play. I mean, it makes a lot of sense now, of course, thinking about the scale of buildings and, you know, I mean, it's like, wow, to present an option like this, a, a co-working option for folks to bring in, again, like you said, the smaller but, but pretty big market of people who will be looking for that sort of thing. That's a brilliant play. Were there other interesting new revenue streams or kind of ideas that kind of came out of the last you know year that you've seen like, oh, wait, here's another big opportunity that we can leverage or anything else that came up like the Flex program? Because that's, again, that's a great one. Well, I mean, one of the things that has happened with us is we have such a greenfield opportunity at JLL uh, in terms of the contribution of marketing to the overall demand has been so limited in the past that we just have like a complete open field to go and play. There is nobody else that's doing some of this. So we've found a lot of opportunities in terms of how we can drive demand for the business. But another example is our technology business. And, you know, we um, we're now starting to separate out our technology revenue uh, as a company, not just our traditional real estate services revenue, but also for technology revenue. And um, this is a software as a service business inside of a real estate services business. And uh, we have a big role from a marketing perspective to play, not just in being able to build pipeline for that, but also being able to explain to people what some of these technology offerings are and how customers can benefit from them. For example, if you own a building that you might be leasing out, you now have tools that you can use to understand the energy consumption. You can understand sort of where maintenance might be needed. You can look at a whole variety of uh, intelligent dashboards and do a lot of preventative maintenance on the building. You can actually make changes to the building and how you're using it based on the technology that is now available to commercial real estate. And this is something that people inherently never used, never understood, and now uh, with technology becoming more and more advanced, we have a net opportunity to be able to market it to our clients. Wow, I love it. 
on that note of kind of you know the future of technology and AI maybe specifically is one area what sort of kind of practical applications of AI in addition to what you mentioned that are you, are you most excited about I mean there's so many and uh, we just uh, we've been making this big bet on technology uh, we have uh, and you can see this from some of the public statements we've made we have acquired a, a number of uh, technology companies in the process of building out our technology portfolio we also have a lot of innovation that's happening internally at the moment within GLL. So we have a whole division that we have established called GLL Technologies, which is 100% focused on delivering just intelligent outcomes on behalf of our clients and providing them everything that they need, whether they own a building, whether they lease a building or uh, whether they use a building. And some of the things that are now starting to happen are very interesting. And the best use of technology is when you actually don't have to deal with technology. And I'll give you an example of that. In the past, you know, if you were an investor in commercial real estate, you bought and sold buildings based on sort of local knowledge, global factors, where money was coming from, where you thought an investment needed to be made. Now, artificial intelligence actually is able to predict when is a great time to invest or divest uh, from a building to, to buy something or to dispose of it because we have a high quality, high level of uh, data that's available, not just internally, but also from public sources that are giving us a lot of indications. So if you're a, if you're a fund that invests in real estate and you're looking at your investments, a lot of times our advisors are able to tell you hey, it might be time for you to sell that building that you bought eight years ago because your returns are going to be above average at this point and you have an ability to invest here because the market is significantly lower. Looking at this globally, but looking at this more from a intelligence point of view and looking at entire portfolios of, of commercial real estate assets. So that's one example. Um, there are numerous other examples, You know, whether it is around um, space planning and, and uh, how you can actually make space planning on behalf of customers much more dynamic or whether it is in the form of uh, being able to do cleaning for the buildings. It, you know, in the past, you might be doing a cleaning for a building uh, every few hours based on what the need was or some areas might be cleaned once a day, which can be costly because building use might vary and, and you might be using the building a lot or you might not be using it on certain days. Nobody comes in on a Friday, for example. Now with, with dynamic cleaning, we are able to actually do that based on what the data is telling us, not based on some schedule that was set in time. And again, you know, you think about the pandemic and how these things have significantly advanced because it was a great time in, in the sense of all of the history and all of the existing patterns were completely disrupted and it gives you the ability to think about something completely new. There were a lot of sectors impacted, obviously, by the the pandemic, and I know there you know, two specifically, office and retail, are making this resurgence. Yeah. I think you're uniquely you're uniquely positioned to comment on this world, especially offices returning back. You know, I, I know the world that we're in, tech and media, etc. A lot of people coming back a couple of days a week. Some doing more, some doing less. But what's just your your thoughts on kind of you see this resurgence in in office and retail now? Yeah, I mean, look, I think. One of the assumptions that's very safe for us to make for anybody that's looking at this office and the future of work and the future of workplace in particular is office is a concept of people, you know, badging in at 8 a.m. on Monday morning and staying till 5 p.m. Monday through Friday. That concept is done. I don't think that that is ever coming back. Some people will do it, but 
you know, large numbers of people coming into the office five days a week, several hours a day. I don't think we're going back to that. Now, the jury's still out. Some companies said during the pandemic, we're going to go 100% remote and not have an office location. I think there's going to be a small number of companies that that model works for them. But the large majority of companies are going to be somewhere in the middle. And we're already starting to see this with our clients who are saying, well, I need my people back in the, in the workplace. A lot of young people, the office was the place for them, not just to advance their careers, but also you know, listen and learn to other people in the room and be able to learn those soft skills of how do you present in a meeting? How do you show up? How do you dress? How do you um, carry yourself? What's your executive presence like? Those soft skills just simply are very hard to communicate over Zoom or, or uh, any of these platforms. And so somewhere in the middle, companies are deciding what is the future role of the office. And a couple of things are, are becoming clearer. The office is a phenomenal collaboration space, and I don't think that's changing. That's the place where teams are coming together, where meetings are taking place, where a lot of conversations are taking place, where a lot of preparation for big presentations When you're signing a deal, more than often, you're coming together in in person. So that collaboration space uh, and office being a collaboration space, I think that's continuing. Office is also, for a lot of companies, a phenomenal space where they brought in their customers and they brought in their partners and they were able to partner up with them and they were able to devise new plans, new strategies, create new proposals, close out deals. I think that that role is also going to continue. And so the resurgence that we're seeing is, yes, people are going back to office. And in some cases, they're going back to the old concept of the office. But increasingly, people are going back and there is this modern concept of an office, which is a collaboration space, which is a space where people go in and they meet with their, co- uh, with their co-workers and they just feel energized. I mean, I'm in the office most days a week. And when I go into the office, in our office in Dallas, There's a gym on site, which is completely free. There is a golf simulator on site that's completely free. There is a um, coffee shop that we just opened that's completely free for our employees. And these are the things that people get excited about because it gives them this ability to do things outside of work, uh, but that are still sort of on um, the start of their day, at the end of their day, while they're taking a break, but it energizes them versus sitting in front of a screen eight, nine, 10 hours a day, just talking to people virtually, it's not very energizing. So we're definitely seeing people coming back into the office. We're also seeing the workplace change. Companies are thinking about offering different types of amenities to have more people come back to the office because there is a net productivity gain that that is to be had by having people back in the office. Now, Nothing works for everyone and no answer is the same for every company. Every, Everybody is making their own decision. But we're definitely seeing a resurgence. But even during the pandemic, one of the things that we learned was there were some sectors like office that, that obviously people were not going in. But then there were other sectors and JLL plays a big role uh, in many of these like industrials. And there was this huge surge in demand for industrial warehousing space because everybody wanted everything from toilet paper to crackers and cookies delivered the next day to them or delivered in a few hours. So companies had to aggressively invest in that. A lot of infrastructure was getting built out around data centers because when everybody is remote, you better have great data center capabilities and that requires space. And then even in retail, 
the concept of having dark stores, which might be in the middle of New York City, but are primarily a fulfillment center, a micro fulfillment center, became highly relevant because you don't have time to ship a product three or four hours away into, into a city. But if you have an old store that you have now converted into a warehouse, um, that's in a mall, that's in a busy shopping center, but it's not really open to the public, but primarily used to deliver um, for some of the largest retailers or even smaller retailers. Those things really showed very strong demand during the pandemic. Mm. I didn't know about that category, micro-fulfillment uh, center. That's a, that's a thing. That's cool. Yeah. Interesting. Um, also, you you had me at golf simulator. So, I mean, next time we do the show, we we to do it from the from the golf simulation at the office there. That sounds awesome. Please come, please please come. We'll see how you score. That's yeah. it. I love it. I'm still practicing. I've been on the on the path, the golf path for a few years. It's the most humbling most humbling game for me, but I, I do love it. And we will have free coffee for you as well. Don't forget okay, that. Okay, nice. All right, good, good. Um, I want to get into just maybe one or two of the articles. So. This one is an article by Marketing Dive. The title of the article is CMOs Sanguine in Face of Inflation, Global Turmoil as Budgets Recover. goes on to say that marketing budgets are on the mend, reaching almost 10% of total company revenue versus 6.4% in 2021. Um, he basically writes that the economy may be on shaky ground, but CMOs don't seem too phased. Um, so the question is, do you have a general sense of why marketing budgets seem to be faring pretty well in spite of general economic concerns? Yeah, I mean, look, my short answer to that would be marketing as a discipline has evolved significantly. I was presenting to the company's board of directors um, a few weeks ago, uh, GLL's board of directors, that is. And one of the things that someone commented on in the room was they said, Marketing as a function is probably one of the only functions that has changed the most in the last 10 years. Now, of course, my point of view is biased on this. I agree that it has changed the most. But I think there is a certain extent of, of truth to that, that marketing has changed. And what marketing used to be the traditional concept of just sort of doing stuff around brand and putting a few billboards out or putting uh, advertisements on TV and newspapers that's not the marketing of 2022. Marketing of 2022 is digital. It's engaging people where they are. It's on channels like TikTok and, and Instagram and many others. It's being able to do things on chat. Like there is so much more to marketing that more and more marketing is now becoming a growth driver for companies. And once this transition is complete, it's at different levels of maturity in different industries. It's not a surprise to me because if something is a growth driver, you inherently want to invest in it. You don't want to cut investment in what is going to grow your business. And that's where I think the more CMOs that align to this growth philosophy and being sort of the chief growth officer in addition to being the chief marketing officer, they're going to see no um, no issues with, with having their budgets because they're not being seen as cost centers anymore. Mm. Well, I like your answer. I, I think it's, I'm very bullish on your answer. So let's go with it. Um, Let's let's get to the lightning round and then we'll we'll wrap up. Are you ready? Okay, sounds good. Okay, okay, Siddharth. So before we get into it, I want to give a special nod and shout out to our sponsor for this show, Salesforce. If you want to learn more about marketing and engagement, feel free to head over to salesforce.com forward slash marketing. We've got Siddharth Taparia, global CMO at JLL, virtually in the studio 
First question, lightning round, and try to be quick with these. Just answer is, you know, the first thing that comes up. First question is, on your Twitter page, it looks like you're a big fan of cricket. Is this true? Yes. Okay. If so, can you tell us why you're so passionate about the sport? What do you love about it? It is a team sport. Uh, it is a sport that uh, is very underappreciated in my view and not very well understood in the United States. But the good news is uh, the Cricket World Cup is coming to the United States in 2024. So everybody will have an opportunity to learn about it. Nice. As an aside here, Siddharth, there is a big cricket, like multiple cricket fields on the way from Austin to Houston. Do you know what I'm talking about? It's like this huge development on the side of the interstate. There's several fields there and it looks awesome. Do you know this place? I'm not surprised. I know exactly what you're talking about. And, and uh, that is actually one of the stadiums that I think is in contention to being used oh, in okay. the 2024 World Cup. And I believe there is still the jury out for 2028 Olympics uh, of cricket being a sport included in 2028 Olympics. Uh, that's fantastic. Okay, cool. Um, next question. What is the last time you tried something new? Oh, I probably tried something new yesterday. Um, I try something new every day. Uh, it may or may not have worked, but uh, definitely tried it. Okay. Um, what's a life lesson you learned the hard way? I mean, you always learn from your failures. And um, I have learned from so many of my failures. There's one that we won't get into, but that was published about in the New York Times. And so you, you learn those lessons, you get yourself to get up and, and uh, walk again and do better the next time. Okay. What is an activity that makes you lose track of time? Oh, watching cricket. Okay. I knew you were going to answer that one. Okay. Um, if you could choose one book as a mandatory read for all high school students, which book would you choose? Oh, that's a tough one. Um, there's so many. I, I think the book that I'm reading right now uh, is very, very impressive. It's called Atomic Habits. Uh, and James Clear. James Clear. It's an incredible book and has a lot of great life lessons in it. Uh, that's great. I interviewed him a few years ago, and he's an exceptional human. So shout out to James. Amazing. Yeah. I have to go back and listen to that uh, interview. Yeah, it was uh, with a previous uh, company, but it's somewhere online. If you Google uh, Jeremy Bergeron and James Clear, I think it'll still show up. Great. Okay, here's an interesting question. Kind of a tough one, but I'm always curious to hear what, you, what, what marketing leaders choose here. Let's say you have to choose one of these. Would you rather lose all of your old memories or never be able to make new ones? Oh God. <laughs> I think I think I would be okay losing my old memories uh, rather okay. than uh, not being able to make new ones because okay. I mean the future is very bright for marketing and uh, there's still a lot there's a lot still to be done and still to be learned so I don't think uh, we can lose on never being able to make new memories. Okay, and on that note, what are you betting on for the future? I mean, I think generally speaking. I feel like the world as it grows and it, it develops, there is uh, going to be much more of a sense of love and care for, for the planet that we live on. And that is, hasn't always been the case. Uh, human beings haven't always treated the planet with kindness, but I think that's something that I, I still feel uh, we should all bet on. Great answer. So let's say hypothetically tomorrow you log into work and all of a sudden the entire marketing team is gone. They all went somewhere else. You now have to hire the first role. So what, what role are you hiring first and then why? 
need to have a head of digital marketing uh, because if you don't have a presence online, uh, you're pretty much cooked. Okay, got it. Um, Wendy's and Chipotle are joining a growing number of brands kind of exploring the potential of virtual worlds, which we hear a lot about. What do you make of this? I don't think I understand it enough to have a point of view, to be honest with you. I'm still learning too. I feel like it's still interesting to see how some of these brands are playing in that space. And the B2B world, especially, like how it'll even be a conversation will be interesting. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're exploring how people can buy and sell properties on, uh, on the metaverse. And that's something that our clients are asking us to advise them on. And we're mm. starting to do that as well. Um, there has been auctions of plots of land sold and bought on the metaverse. But there is, this is an interesting world where there are a lot of scam artists uh, in, in this world. And so oftentimes that's why people are coming to companies like JLL to have that trusted advice on if they need to do something and when they need to do something, because there's just a lot of people that are out to um, fool you if you're not careful. Mm. What's it like being the father of two girls? Uh, it's the most beautiful thing and it's the most maddening thing at the same time. As a father of one little girl, and uh, and there's three three young boys as well that my partner has, and we have a full load. But I I appreciated that that sentiment. And I agree. It's the most wonderful and scary thing. <laughs> um, let's see. Okay, what is your favorite app on your phone? I have to say, the most used app on my phone is the Mail app. Unfortunately, <laughs> I knew you were going to say. I was like, don't say the Mail app. You're the second person that said that. By the way, the email app. Oh man, too productive, too productive. I do enjoy the Bloomberg app, which I uh, check many times a day and it's wonderful. Okay, okay. Um, What is a skill that you believe everyone should have? I think everybody everybody should have the curiosity to learn and it's not as much of a skill as a quality, but just sort of keeping an open mind and learning about whether it's a new discipline, a new culture, a new fact of life, a new discovery, whatever the case might be, just just having more open-mindedness and curiosity can help all of us. Okay. Last question. What is one thing you would like to do this year that you've never done before? I would love to go to a new destination that I haven't been to before. Um, Hopefully someplace that's uh, warm with water. Uh, and and new. Fantastic. So uh, some wonderful beach someplace. Okay. By the way, this was an incredible conversation, Siddharth. I know I speak for myself on the production team. This was incredible. Thank you. Uh, Thank you for being on the show. You did an exceptional job and congratulations on the new role as Global CMO. Let's check back in at the end of the year to see how things are going. I appreciate it, Jeremy, and thank you. You've been a wonderful host, and thank you for the production team here as well supporting us, and I appreciate the opportunity. Thank you. You have eight seconds to make a connection or risk a click away onto the next topic. The difference lies in your ability to deliver relevant experiences to your audience across devices and across channels. But delivering on a really great experience is impossible without the right people and the right technology. You've got the right people, but your technology choices will make or break someone's experience with your brand. At the center of gravity of your digital experience, Brightspot Content Management System can deliver 
relevant content, personalized experiences, and cross-channel synergies to create unforgettable brand experiences. So you can be a bright spot in someone's day. Head over to brightspot.com forward slash marketing trends to find out right now. From global crisis to hunger relief efforts, the messages you deliver save lives, inform important decision-making, and help keep communities safe and sound. The speed and scale of your content needs to be delivered faster and on a much larger scale. Brightspot Content Management System has supported some of the world's largest brands to communicate on a global scale. From Johnson & Johnson sharing critical information with their customers to helping Whole Foods tell their brand story to a global audience. Brightspot is designed to handle rapid iteration and personalized messages to those you care about most. Learn more at brightspot.com forward slash marketing trends.